Blog Talk Radio.
everybody on the radio. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> And I'm excited. You know how to play our song. You know, that's our song. Y'all don't know that Keith Robinson's uh, new release is getting ready to come out. Love Languages. And T and I absolutely love that song. And we listened to it to the wheels fall off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they haven't fell off yet, girl. I'm sure they haven't fell off yet. <laughs> Listen, I'm sorry because I can't wait to get him up in here. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he, he so blessed us with that lease. And, um, you know, this is the only place you can hear it. And not just Keith Robinson, but we got a few tunes on our rotation that you can only hear with the ladies of Let's Cast. So make sure you guys tune in. And if you guys want to know any of the music that we're playing, just hit us up at the chat radio show at gmail.com. More than likely, we'll know what it's about because it is always in rotation. Absolutely. We so appreciate you coming and kicking with us on today. We got three fabulous guests. We, we, we're continuing the nights here. We got the nights up in the building, um, a fabulous book series. We have all of the authors that are uh, part of that particular series uh, coming to kick it with us here in the chat room tonight. We have London St. Charles, Lisa Watson, and Janice M. Allen. They're going to be in here on this evening coming to kick it with us in the chat room. And then on tomorrow, we have a fabulous show uh, with a mentor and children's model, modeling coach, uh, Kizzy Cassell is going to be in the building, as well as Sharona Thigo and artist mm-hmm. Kalan is going to share uh, his time, space, and energy with us. Awesome. You know, Lise, um, I'm so excited to continue this journey with, um, you know, this, this, this trio of attorneys, not this trio, but this entourage of attorneys on this journey. And Lise and I have so much going on that our leisure time, as far as reading, is kind of limited. But Lise has a little bit more versatility than I do because she likes to listen to those audible books. But me, I'm old school. I like to read it. <laughs> I like to experience the reading the words. Felicia will listen to an audible book in no time flat. <laughs> so I can't wait to get some time to catch up on this series, you know, and it sounds like it's really, really good because these authors have some fantabulous pens. What do you think about that, Lee? Absolutely. Um the covers are awesome. Make sure y'all check out our Let's Chat Live. Um, we've had some of the fabulous guests on there, but we also had the creator of the covers, the uh, graphic mm-hmm. designer. He was on there as well, J.L. Woodson. And uh, you can catch those replays almost anywhere. You can catch them on iTunes. Not iTunes. You can catch them on our um YouTube channel, as well as our Let's Chat uh, channel here on Facebook, uh, and soon they'll be added to the Ebony TV. But yes, um, great, great, great shows, great, great, great interviews. Absolutely. You know, the ladies of Let's Chat go where you go. So anywhere you can download a podcast, just look up Let's Chat with Miss Tony and Alicia, and you will be caught up and Enjoy those segments that we have. Leash, we've had some fantabulous guests in addition to the ones we have right now. But for those that are just tuning in for the very first time, let me let you guys know what Leash and I 
do here at Let's Chat. You know, we used to celebrate literature, you know, but Alicia and I have evolved into so much more than just literature. We just celebrate the dopeness of all the arts. You know, like we said, we had J.L. Woodson in. He's a graphic designer. And if you guys haven't seen those covers, man, y'all don't know what y'all missing. Because that's what we say here on Let's Chat. That's eye candy. But we love sharing our guests and our listening audience because, you know, they get to interact in an intimate, fun, and friendly environment. You get to hear passion behind what it is that they do. And you never know, you may touch someone that happened to be tuned in that night, and it can literally change their lives. So we so appreciate mm-hmm. everybody that has shared their precious time with us. Our archives are filled with so much jewels, Leash. I mean, our jewelry box just overflows with the amount of jewels and talent and time that they have shared with us. So make sure you check them out. And once again, Leisha and I so appreciate you guys joining us once again here on Let's Chat. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm excited. Now, T, listen. Okay, so I told you I was going to try it. So y'all y'all on the radio don't know. Um, so I've been on this banana smoothie kick. And so T told me <laughs> to put some... Um, spinach and some pineapple in it, and I did that mm-hmm. with spinach, pineapple, and I put some mango in it, and um, and then today I tried it with um, peanut butter. I don't like peanut butter in my smoothie. It's nasty. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't okay, like so I don't you like to rule that out, huh? <laughs> yes, I don't, I don't, it, it wasn't bad, bad. But it wasn't nothing that I enjoyed. Normally, I enjoy my smoothies, like my a banana smoothie. I put some just some yogurt in it, and I put me an orange in it, and that bad boy is good. I just be all content. But <laughs> I only drank it because I didn't want to waste it. But I, uh-huh. I do know now I don't like peanut butter in anything other than some toast. <laughs> Well, you know, Lisa, if you remember when you shared with me that peanut butter idea, I was kind of, mm, okay, Lisa, <laughs> you know how that go. <laughs> yeah, I was like, mm, not so much. This is not the business. It's, it's not bad, bad, but it's not um, a personal choice. It's not something I'll be trying to make every day. <laughs> okay, so that's an eh on the peanut butter and Lisa smoothie. But how did yeah, you like no, pineapple, though? I did pineapple in the mango, so I put, like, uh-huh. I got some frozen pineapple and mango, put it, it was okay. Um, uh-huh. It was all right, but, you know, with the pineapple, I noticed that when you, when you make it, when you blend it down, it makes it more acidic, uh-huh. so it's a, it's, it's okay, a lot now, more what, acidic. What, what type of uh, machine, what's your, you know, I'm me and my gadgets, what's, what's your... <laughs> Linda of choice. <laughs> okay, so here, let's see, in Michigan, I have the um, Vitamix, which I love the Vitamix. And here I have okay. the Ninja. Okay. All right. I have both, and my preference is the Vitamix because it makes oh, such yes. a smoothness. It's, it's so smoothly. That vitamin oh, is everything. No, you yes. can everything in there. You can make soup in there. You, listen, don't get me talking about my Vitamix now. <laughs> I love my Vitamix. 
I actually had to get two because my son had my my oldest son took my first one. I'm like, man, y'all don't. Those are the type of things you leave in your will, leash, <laughs> along with the kitchen aid. <laughs> Reddit. 
came across my timeline that um, they're they're going after it. You know, I haven't oh, been yeah. able to keep up since Tuesday with the with the storm coming through, but I'm a little behind in the news. But what I did here was kind of encouraging. How, share with us what you heard, Lee. Okay, so what I heard is it's a whole investigation, y'all. A whole investigation. Look, this is how, how stuff mm-hmm. gets started. This is how stuff gets started. <laughs> it's a whole <laughs> You ain't got the whole information, but you don't break it all down. Listen, it's a whole investigation, y'all. <laughs> They're looking for more than just some, some bribe hush money. They're looking for some uh-huh. uh, illegal activity. Oh, boy. And they, so they the, the bank, yeah, they they went after they went after the bank, which Deutsche Bank. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. And apparently, that's the bank that always bails him out financially. So now they want to know basically what's in the Trump box. So this is the thing: mm-hmm. when you go to a bank, a bank has many clients, many customers, and mm-hmm. they may not want to give up that box if that box is connected to other. And I really think Mm -hmm. some of them skeletons in Trump's closet are connected to somebody else's closet. And it's like, listen, you about to take me down with you. I'm not trying to go with you. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's called Deutsche Bank, and uh, they do. They always bail him out, you know. And it's unfortunate, but fortunate for us. It's going to be interesting down this little rabbit hole that he found himself in. Absolutely, and I, I really, really think that um, they're they're like, we're going to get you. If we don't get you personally, we about to start at the bottom and work our way up. But they about to get him like they got, uh, what's his name, Nixon. You know, with Nixon, mm-hmm. they have to start at the bottom and work their way up, and it just so happened folks started falling off the tree. The same process. Oh, they they they're getting him. Um, and then oh, yeah. um, the district attorney went after the um, the rifle association. They they mm-hmm. are not playing. They are not playing. It's it's a it's some investigations going on. We don't even know about y'all. It's a whole investigation. Oh, yeah. I told you. Oh, yes, and it happens to be that, at least, you know, I know the players that are in both of those actions that you're talking about. The first would be Cy Vance, and the other one would be Miss Leticia James. So I'm very familiar with both of them, and they do what they do because they know what they know, and that's what we do here on Let's Chat. We always preach, do what you do because you know what you know. know know. And let me tell y'all, those two that are leading those two things, at least just said, I know for a fact that they know what they know, and they do what they do, and they do it well. They ain't playing with it. They ain't playing, but, you know, we're going to get off our soapbox. <laughs> <laughs> we got we to gotta give y'all a little news, you know, because sometimes people disconnect from, you know, and they got to have a little peace of hearing about Corona all the time. So, listen, I had to, we had to talk about that for a minute because it's a whole investigation going on. It's a, It's some shady things going on that we ain't know about and um everything about to be out in the open. That's right. That she had that tree has been shooken or shook or shaken, pick your choice of those <laughs> words. And things are about to fall out. <laughs> Listen, it's 
a whole mess. There's so much going on. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay, Lee, we're going to stop right now. We got Because, you know, you and I, we can just go on and on and on. <laughs> Absolutely. We just wait for our guest to come in and press her one. We got the fabulous London. St. Charles coming to kick it with us. She's going to be our first guest on today. So I'm just waiting for her to press her once to let us know that she is in the chat room. But yeah, y'all, it's a whole mess going on. Let's bring London on in here. We're talking that talk today. We're talking about real time, real issues. Listen, that's our topic today. Real time, real issues. I like that, Lee. That could be on the evening news. I like that. Absolutely. Hey, Hi, London, ladies. How are you? We got London. I am fabulous. Hey, Miss London. Hey. hey, ladies. How are you? How are you? We good, Cal. We good. How are you? I am doing fabulous and looking I forward to it. chatting with you all. We are excited. Oh, yes. so- before we get talking, because you know we always get the girls chat talking, and then we be all off in left field. <laughs> so before we go on over in left field, we want you to tell everybody a little bit about yourself and your literary journey. Well, I am national best-selling author, London St. Charles. Uh, I am a daycare provider by day and a national best-selling author by night. I wrote my uh, debut novel in 2017, titled The Husband We Share. But prior to that, I can tell you about how that came to be. Uh, Back in 2014, I was reading Eric Jerome Dickey's uh, book, Cheaters. And when I finished reading Cheaters, I had all these characters going on in the back of my head, and it had nothing to do with cheaters. So as soon as I finished writing that book, I ran to my computer and I wrote for 13 hours straight. And that was the birth of my debut novel. So, yes. So what happened is I was 85% uh, done with that book, and I had no idea where to go from there, how to go about finding an editor or, you know, just who I could trust. Google was just an overload of information, and um, just luckily I was in Walmart, my youngest daughter and I were shopping, and we ran into Nelena Kai. And she asked me just, you know, just a random question and asked me, you know, do you drink French toast, you know, drink milk with French toast? And I'm like, of course. And so it was her and it was J.L. Woodson with her, her son. And it turned into a a whole thing. You know, she asked me, do I read? I told her I love to read. I showed her my library. And she showed me hers on her Kindle. We ended up exchanging numbers. And she had a writing class that started that Monday. This was a Sunday night. And so I I told her I would be there at the class. She told me it was Monday at 7 p.m. and don't be late. And from there, the rest is history. So she became my editor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She became my editor for uh, The Husband We Share, which is how I became uh, a national best-selling author six months out the gate after release. I love it. I love oh, it. Now I want to go oh, back. You know, wow. here on Let's Chat, we always talk about a goal moment. And a goal moment is when thought and execution come together. Normally when we think about something, uh, we give ourselves excuses on why we can't do it at that time. And 
most of the time we're mindful about how we speak and treat other people and less mindful about how we speak and treat ourselves. So I know that you read a book and you decided to, to write the story, but we want to know the in-between of what you didn't say. What made you want to step out and say, this is what I'm about to do. I'm about to put this out for the masses. Well, I have always been a writer, just not a published author. <laughs> so I've been writing since I was eight and putting books together. It was always something that I wanted to do, uh, even going back to, like, say, eighth grade and looking at my autograph um, uh, book. And, you know, I have teachers telling me, you know, successful on a you know, successful writing career in the future and things of that nature. I'm not sure where it got away from me between just life you know, working and school and kids. And I never lost that drive to want to write a book. It just was not a priority anymore. But mm-hmm. I don't know what it was about that story that made me, that it got those creative juices flowing again and made me want to write it because it just kind of started developing on its own. The, the drive, I mean, I've read other things, and I'm an avid reader uh, way before I uh, started, you know, really uh writing myself, but there was nothing else that I've read that made me necessarily want to, it, nothing pulled me like that, so I'm not sure exactly where that came from, but it was right on time, and from there, I mean, it's, it's been a little prolific, <laughs> so to speak, over the past, I mean, if I think about it, I started that in 2014, and going through the editing process, and rewrites and everything. It did publish until 2017. And from 2017 until now, I have eight works of literature under my belt. So whatever that motivation was that happened with that, I am so happy that it did. Yes. Wow, that's awesome. That's awesome. Now, Lemon, this is Tony. Um, You know, on, on the radio, we have to remember to distinguish who we are with each other, you know, because we sound so much alike. But I love this, and not everybody can go shopping and meet Miss Melena Kai, and uh, she is amazing, as well as her son, JL. But not everybody yes. can go to the store and meet her and then end up on a bestsellers list. Now, those that, <laughs> that may be listening, can you share with, with them how you would um, encourage them to continue their writing journey if they may be coming up against some type of roadblock? You know, can you share with them the importance of pushing on? Yes. Uh, Number one is to keep writing. I had a Mm -hmm. moment where, you know, the book was done and it wasn't, well, let's just start from here. When I started writing um, my book, I was 85% mm-hmm. done with it. And then I went okay. through the class. So that last 15% was a cleaner write than the first 85%. Storyline mm-hmm. was great. And all of that was together, but my technique and the things that I had learned. So in the process mm-hmm. of that, uh, Melena had told me, she said, you know, she said, I'm seeing freshman work from a senior writer. And at the wow. same time, I took that as a compliment because you're telling me, you see what I've done in those few weeks of class in comparison to where I started, so you saw the growth. So I mm-hmm. had to go in and rewrite my story. So this is where that lesson comes in at because when you're starting out, and I was so green, I mean, as green as green could be, 
and mm-hmm. it was like, oh wow, I, it took about it took a year to write my story, and so I had to rewrite it. So the biggest thing is, I would say, you know, you listen to your own voice, but you also listen to those who have come before you and have the experience mm-hmm. and the knowledge. And so if she's mm-hmm. telling me, hey, you need to rewrite this, then I had to. It took me a minute now because I was in my feelings for about four months. And, um, I mean, real talk, I was in my feelings for uh-huh. four months. You know, no one wants to hear that, oh, you know, you'd have poured everything that you have into this, and now it's not good enough. But that wasn't what she was mm-hmm. saying. She said, this is good, right. but it can be so much better if you X, mm-hmm. Y, and Z. So I had to take inventory of myself and, and sit down and redo it. And it was right. the best thing I ever did. So I would say don't give up when you get discouraged. Um, mm-hmm. There are people you can speak, you know, speak to people. Um, there's a whole writing community. But it, even if you don't necessarily have that circle quite yet at that stage because it's brand new, talk to people who are right. in your corner. Talk to people who encourage you to uh, write mm-hmm. your book and to get your story out. You know, and the best mm-hmm. thing you can do is to keep writing. You know, get everything out of your head. And onto mm-hmm. the paper because you can't do anything with a story that is not mm-hmm. written down or typed up or anything. You can always fix it as you go. But just to keep That's pushing. Right. And the harder it gets, you just keep pushing through, keep pushing through. And as you do that, mm-hmm. you'll realize, you know, where something looks so minute, you got this grand, you got this whole project, and it's wonderful, and no one can take anything away from you because it's your work. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That's so true, and I'm so yeah. glad you shared that, London. And in that same vein, <clears throat> you know, being an avid reader such as yourself, when Nalena Kai saw what she saw in your writing, did you draw anything from all the books that you had read all your life? Did you draw from, from what you may have wanted to see in a book as well as what you've seen just to make your pen that much stronger? I would say yes, the art of description, you know, learning mm. to show and not tell. And right. before, I was a, before I was a writer, you know, you read things and be like, oh, my gosh, he or she explained that so well. You know, you have this vivid, this vivid picture of what you see. And so it looks different now that I'm an author. So mm-hmm. now I recognize it with a different kind of eye. So that's something right. that I pay attention to is being very descriptive without being overly descriptive, but, you mm-hmm. know, more than just enough, but more, I say more than enough. So the reader, you know, they're not in a blank, in a blank room mm-hmm. and learning that's that true. big words, mm-hmm. Yes. And learning that big words aren't necessarily uh, needed. One thing exactly. that I learned was they say, you know, you kind of dumb it down, you know, more so sixth grade writing. Um, mm-hmm. I remember reading some books that I've loved and have had to, on my Kindle, hit the dictionary like three, four, mm-hmm. five times in a chapter, and it kind of takes away and it slows it That's down. Right. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and they're really words that are really out there. And it's just like, okay, I did okay. So it's like, okay, mm-hmm. that could have been said a different way. Now, it's one thing if mm-hmm. you're speaking in a um, you know a different time or you have to you know, pull in from that, but this is, that wasn't what it was. So mm-hmm. I've learned to um, be more uh, concise with what I'm saying and and also mm-hmm. with the description. That's so true. You said a mouthful. I hope you guys heard what you just shared. 
Because that's one thing, Leisha and I say, you know, we have so many things that we were involved in outside of radio, me as an editor and she as a publishing and, and she has clients. But that's one thing we share. You know, you want to show more than you tell. And you want to make sure you bring your reader into your story and give them just as much, just enough to keep them on the precipice and not, you know, overwhelm them. Because there are plenty of authors put out those big words, and like you say, you go to the dictionary a number of times, and it really does take you out of the flow. And sometimes you may not even finish that book because, you know, this is just too much, you know. Mm -hmm. But that's so important, so I thank you for sharing that. (laughs) No, no problem. Now, Alicia, I think she may have stepped away, so I'm going to continue to just bombard this interview right now. Okay, no worries. <laughs> but, London, if it wasn't writing that you were doing, you know, and, and you weren't, because we can hear the passion, you know, that you, you you have for your writing. But if it wasn't writing, and outside of what you, I think you said you uh, did daycare during the day? Yes, I have a home, uh, a home daycare. Okay, if it wasn't writing, would you be doing something else in addition to your daycare, or would it just have been your daycare providing services? You know, I'm gonna have to say writing, and I say I say it like that because when I went to school, my interests were English, speech. Mm-hmm. My minor was in speech, and writing. So I started mm-hmm. out working 16 years as a pharmacy technician. Okay. So I've always wanted to teach, and I left I left my job after 16 years to open my own home daycare business. So I can't mm-hmm. really, you know, that was, a, that was a goal of mine. So that's something I mm-hmm. work towards, and I've been doing that for eight years now. And then mm-hmm. in doing that, and have had the opportunity to meet people and like and reading and now able to write and it gives me that that time to do that. So uh, I like to say I call it moonlighting, so to speak. So mm-hmm. a lot of times I write before the kids get here, and then you know mm-hmm. we run daycare as normal, and then when the kids take their nap, I'm writing, especially if I have mm-hmm. a deadline. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm writing, mm-hmm. and then when the kids leave in the evening. You know, I do what I need to do for my family, and then I'm typically writing uh, late evening, early morning hours. So I, I mm-hmm. can't say writing is it is my dream job. I don't even know if I would call it a job. It's it's something I really enjoy. Mm-hmm. It's something I really enjoy. So yeah, this this That's, is it, and mm-hmm. it's 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 something because you know you plan out things. You know, when you're younger, what you want to do, how you plan to execute it. It doesn't always go that way. But the things that I right. planned to do back as a teenager or early 20s came to fruition mid-30s and in my 40s. So I think maybe it just mm-hmm. all happens in the time that it's supposed to happen. I'm at a, I'm mm-hmm. at a different kind of uh, situation where I can do these things, you know. Mm-hmm. My kids are a little older. Mm-hmm. I have a 12-year-old and a 20-year-old, and it's, it's different. I can't see me trying to write uh, midday or in the evening with the two-year-old running around pulling on me mm-hmm. <laughs> 24-7, you know. <laughs> so I think it just mm-hmm. all fell into place when it was supposed to. Okay, awesome. I'm going to need so you to rewind. 
I'm gonna need you to rewind. I'm gonna need you to rewind because we ain't gonna act like you didn't say what you just said. You got twenty year old, a whole twenty year old, and a twelve. Yes. <laughs> Child, yes. listen, I wanna be you when I grow up. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> she does not look it's, like it's a journey. She, you don't look it. If you don't tell nobody, they won't know. Oh, <laughs> well, thank you. That I take that compliment. Thank you. <laughs> yes. That's now, awesome. Go ahead, see. I'm sorry. I just have to. I just was like twenty year old. Wait a minute. No, that's awesome. No, I'm saying that's awesome, you know. But also with that being said, you know, London, um, you, you, you have these writing opportunities that you take the most advantage of. Doing those opportunities, do you have any type of rituals that you have to have that you go through, like having Twizzlers, a glass of wine, or like me, a Diet Pepsi? <laughs> well, you know what? <laughs> it used to be it used to be a cherry Pepsi and so fly, I see. Let me tell you how things have evolved. When I first started writing, it had to be in complete and utter silence. So that only, yes, in the beginning. So that literally only meant that I could write at night after everyone went to sleep. Okay. Now I can write with music playing in the background, just, um, at a low, you know, low volume, and it, it has mm-hmm. to be something mellow. Like, I can't be jamming out to Tupac because I'll be rapping and bouncing, and I can't type work <laughs> anything, you know. It, that'll be a whole different kind of story. But a lot of times, I listen to <laughs> I listen to Lettucey. I, I have a Lettucey oh, playlist. Nice. It's about an hour yeah, and 15 yeah. minutes long. And so mm. I know that when that playlist go off, I know that I've been writing for an hour and 15 minutes. You know, mm. but she's uh-huh. it's, it's a groove. You know, she she got that flow, and so it, it goes on in the background. And I can just I can just write. Um, I don't necessarily have to eat anything anymore, or you know. But it's nice to have you know have something there. Uh, I have mm-hmm. to teach myself how to get up and take breaks because oh, that's mm-hmm. my other problem. So like mm-hmm. if I'm in a groove, my back can be hurting, my legs can be stiff. It doesn't even matter. I am still in the chair, and I am writing, uh-huh. writing, 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 writing. So I have to, in order to take better care of myself so I can't continue to do this, I have to right. get up and walk around, you know, even if I go and fix me something to eat or whatever, and then come back to the computer just to give my eyes and my body a rest, you know. Yeah, so you I need that. Long, longevity, definitely, because mm-hmm. I plan to be yeah, doing this for a long time. <laughs> and you gotta persevere, but I can listen to Edith Lettuce and be doing absolutely nothing, girl. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And I also I have to have. <laughs> what you say? That's her song. How you gonna hit? How you gonna add to me? <laughs> hey, hey, yes, mm-hmm. yes. That's the top of my <laughs> playlist. <laughs> I also, when I'm not doing music, I have the TV on. And a lot of times I find myself maybe like at the end of the day, it's on Channel 11 because of the kids. So uh-huh. it'll stay on Channel 11 because it's just background noise. So right. 
now it's like when I'm writing and it's completely silent. It's crazy. It's like stuff be going on in my head and not in a good way. It's just, it's too quiet. <laughs> so <laughs> I need something going on. And a lot of times I'll leave it on channel 11 because right. I'm not paying any attention to that. If the news is on, something to catch, even if it's turned down low, something mm-hmm. will catch my attention and I'll be turning to pay attention to the TV. So I keep it on Channel 11 if it's there, and then I can just write and it's the background noise and, you know, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. That's a good mm-hmm. strategy. Yes. I love it. Now I got a question. So we're going to get into this King series because you got two books in this King series. You have... Uh, Castle and and Chatham. Yes. All right. So I want you to tell us a little bit about Castle, and then we'll go into Chatham. Okay. So Kings of the Castle, this is where you meet all of the nine kings, and everyone is coming together. They met in school, at a macro international school, so they grew up together, and their mentor, Khalil, uh, had been shot. And so everyone is trying to figure out, you know, how did it happen? You're finding out from that point of view at which point each king was in their life, uh, what was going on, what they had to do uh, to accept their appointment in the castle. And that's pretty much building the world of what you're going to see in the standalone books. Oh. And yes, and then King of Chatham. Uh, my guy is Mariano Reno de Luca, and Ooh, he wow. is a stony, sexy stuff. Yes, he is an architect by trade, but what he did with his architectural uh, degree, he went back into the Chatham neighborhood from where he grew up, and he saw a need for a women's shelter. So he did a women's shelter there, but it's not just a regular shelter. It's a women's second chance at life shelter. So he's helping these women get back on their feet, getting uh, jobs and schooling, helping with their families. And then on top of that, he also has a, a transitional housing for women in more precarious situations. So mm. one lady, for example, uh, was, you know, hiding from ice. And I shouldn't say hiding, she was legal. Her documentation hadn't arrived yet, and because of the climate in which we live, she needed extra protection. So that's where she stayed in the meantime. And so Reno's love interest, Zuri Okusanya, she oh. she came, yes, she <laughs> was a refugee. I shouldn't say, she very much so. And I shouldn't say refugee. I mean, she found refuge in the... Um, in the shelter because she left there fleeing an arranged marriage that her father had put in place. And mm-hmm. her mother died protecting her to make sure that she did not have to live mm-hmm. that lifestyle. And in her death, mm-hmm. she put all kinds of things in place for Zuri to persevere. And so everything mm-hmm. kind of comes out as she is, living her life. She's here in the state trying to um, stay away from her dad who ends up coming to the state. You know, it's a whole thing and they build such a beautiful romance because Reno 
is protecting her by nature, but he's he's also falling in love with her, you know, just who she is as a person. And mm-hmm. Zuri is falling for him in the same light, and she's never experienced a good man before because where she came from, they all mm-hmm. wanted something other than just, you know, her as a woman and being who she is, you know, either for her dowry or, you know, it was always something. And with this book, I did quite a bit of research, which makes it, I've always, always do research, but this was Mm -hmm. different because it was more of a literary type uh, thing with Mm -hmm. checking the cultures because Zuri's from Tanzania. So Mm -hmm. making sure that everything that I was saying and talking about, uh, the things with female mutilation, uh, mutilation uh, how they celebrate right. funerals, you know, everything had to be on point, even along, you know, the lines of how they speak. You know, it's Mama Winnie, Mama this, Mama Subi, Mom, you know, that's a, a form of respect. That's how they greet each other, you oh, know, mm-hmm. uh, the elders. So just making sure that I stay true to to what it actually is. And then the same thing with uh, Reno, he's Italian, and so you would see a lot of different mm. things in with uh, how he speaks or his father speaks and the hand gestures because they speak with a lot a lot of times with their hands, and then the meals mm-hmm. that they make and different things. So just really, oh, saying, wow, you know, doing the research and making sure everything lined up the way that it it should have. It's a dynamite I, story. Mm. I can't wait. Yeah, I have a question. Because you tend to always in some of your books write another country in there. How has your pen grown from the first book you penned to now? Um, I would say yes. So definitely with the with the research aspect from that, because a lot of times I'm a Chicago girl, so I always represent Chicago, but my uh-huh. character always travels somewhere. So I do have to look back and and make sure that everything is tight, you know. And I think with King of Chatham, matter of fact, I know with King of Chatham, that had that was the most challenging, but it was the most rewarding, and it and it just kind of let me know that oh, okay, I, I tapped into uh, something else that I hadn't even while I was doing it, I wasn't even aware necessarily that I was doing it, you know. Mm-hmm. It just was part of my process, but with reading it back and then the reviews and everything, it was like, okay, mm-hmm. I, I did my job on this. I really did my job on this. Mm-hmm. That's awesome, yeah. uh, London. This is Tony. Um, you know, it sounds like you put so much into your research, and in order for your story to be, you know, believable, you have to do the research. But tell us about the challenges that you face. Now, you've done your research, and you have this story in your head, and you know your characters. What challenges do you find yourself in and bringing that all together to give the story that you want to give to your readers? Okay. I would say, well, particularly with King of Chatham, the way we were writing the story and combining, Mm -hmm. you know, making sure everything was together because all the kings are intertwined uh, in each other's books, that was the biggest challenge for me. Because mm-hmm. I did, you know, just trying to understand that whole formula. So where mm-hmm. I started out before, and you know, I was about five chapters in, and then it was like, well, no, you have to do it this way. 
So it was more so of really understanding the formula in which I had to write it. So once I mm-hmm. understood that, then it was okay. A lot of times, I know a lot of times they say, you know, you do research first and then you mm-hmm. write second. That's not my formula. I I research as I write. So as I'm writing, I'm kind of a pantser. So right. I may, I may uh, outline a little bit. So say I got an idea of, maybe what chapters one through three would look like. And then from mm-hmm. there, I'm, I'm just going. You know, it just, it just flows that way for me. But if something okay. comes up, I go and I'm, I'm all in Google and Wikipedia and, you know, something that may have taken 20 minutes probably turned into an hour, hour and a half because now I am reading. I done got the information that I needed, and I'm still reading because mm-hmm. it's, it's educational, but it's entertaining at the same time. You know, you're learning, you're learning new things. Constantly, right? Constantly. Right. So, mm-hmm. once I said, once I understood what I, how I needed to write it, you know, it was still my story told the way that I needed to be told, but it just had to be mm-hmm. in line with what we were doing. So that was I the biggest it. challenge with that. I mm-hmm. love it. I'm glad you. I, I'm glad you brought up the other authors because we've had a number of them on the show. And the one question that I haven't had a chance to ask, I'm going to ask you. How okay, wait a minute, see. All... Let's bring in the other author first. And oh, then okay. we'll be able to go back into that. We have our next fabulous guest, Lisa Watts in the building. Hey. Hey, Lisa. Hey, ladies. How are you? Hey, Lisa. How's everybody? Hey, girl. Yeah, how are you, London? Good, good. <laughs> We are good. We are good. We are so glad that you were able to come and kick it with us on today. Now, we, we, we want to get back into the conversation, but before we do, we want you to shout out all of your, uh, shout out and talk a little bit about your literary journey. Okay, so I am Lisa Dotson, formerly Lisa Watson. So I am an Essence National bestselling author. Um, I have uh, Amazon. Uh, best-selling author as well. I have over 16 novels in uh, multicultural, contemporary, romantic suspense, sweet romance, and the clean read romance genre. And so I've been published at Harlequin, also at Kensington. I've also been self-published. And so what I like to do is write positive, realistic characters that readers can identify and be inspired by. Uh, so, in addition to that, I also have been a co-publicist uh, for the RT Book Lovers Convention and also uh, Book Lovers Con, and in addition to that, a talk show host myself with Readers Entertainment and In Faith Radio shows, as well as the magazine, and so that's a little bit about me in a nutshell. Challenge I love you, girl. You That's got the whole farm. Right. You, you got so much going on. Now, I, I want to ask because you, you you talked a little bit about uh, Harley Quinn and uh, Kensington. What was mm-hmm. that process like for you? Um, being getting com getting contracts with them and being able to um, get with the major. Okay as my dog is sitting here barking. Okay, so how that kind of got started is it was literally I was in the right place at the right time. 
I had decided on a spur of the moment to go to a writer's convention. Uh, at the time, it was the Romance Slam Jam, and they were uh, they had a weekend-long conference in Raleigh, the Raleigh-Durham area in North Carolina. And funny full circle, because I actually now live in Raleigh. I was in Illinois at the time. So I uh, just dropped what I was doing, came, and it was just amazing. It was like for me, as an aspiring writer, it was like you're being a kid in a candy store because mm-hmm. you are walking around with all these um, authors, I mean, veteran authors, authors that you've only seen in book covers, like Brenda Jackson and Donna Hill and the late L.A. Banks, uh, my fellow Glamazon, as she and I used to call each other, and um, Beverly Jenkins. And so it was all these authors that I had only read about, and now I was sitting talking to them and being in workshops and stuff. So it was just amazing, and to find other aspiring writers like myself who um, really wanted to get into writing romance. And so I met Mm -hmm. a good friend of mine, Pat Simmons. She writes Christian fiction. Uh, So I met her, and she and I just clicked uh, that weekend. And she was coming out of an editor pitch session, and she was like, hey, Lisa. And I'm like, what? And she's like, you want to write a book with me? And I'm like, yeah. And so that is literally how I got started. Um, she was like, great, come on. And then she goes pulling me behind her. And if anybody knows Pat Simmons, you know that is just how she is. So she's pulling me behind her. And she runs up to Perry Ebony Satin Brown. And uh, she, I didn't know it at the time, but Pat had actually interviewed her for a radio show that Pat was um, on. And so she mm-hmm. knew of her. And so she said, hey, Perry, um, we've got this idea about this story. Um, The publishers like it, but they want a veteran author to kind of anchor the book because, you know, Pat and I were unknown at the time. And so Mm -hmm. she's like, "Uh, okay. So we all went off, Perry back to California, Pat back to St. Louis, and me back to Illinois. And so the premise was a blind date. So each of us had to write a story about a blind date. And so... Uh, we each ended up having different takes on it. Perry's story was about uh, two people that find each other through the Internet dating. And so uh, Pat's was about a radio talk show host whose caller calls in, and they kind of find love that way. And me, I tend to do stuff and interject a little more suspense, romantic suspense in there. So um, I love danger and a little bit of intrigue. So my Story was about a blind, um, a blind date that was set up. The wrong guy shows up. And so the, oh, what, what happens from that point? And so that's kind of mm-hmm. how I got published. Um, that was picked up through a line at Kensington, and um, that's kind of how I got, you know, published. Absolutely. Wow. <laughs> that's great, Lisa. Now, I want to ask both mm-hmm. of you ladies, when you... You both wrote about write about romance. Uh, there's some form of love in your book. What what do you think the biggest um, obstacle is in black love? Hmm. Uh, London, do you want to go first? Or you want me to go first? You got it. 
Okay. So uh, for me, what I think is the assumption that, you know, it has to be one type of way or it has to be fit a certain type of parameter, you know. So, like, for me, um, my thing was I, you know, sort of ran into some issues because, like, say, for instance, for Harlequin, for Kensington, there are a lot of formulas, okay, that you have to kind of, right into the guidelines for the formula. And so sometimes uh, that could be difficult for people because it's like, okay, this, the guy has to be this certain way. He has to look this certain way. He has to be an alpha male. He has to, you know, they have to have that black hole moment, and they have to be this certain way. And so it really just depends because what I tend to not like to do is just to write in a specific way and feel like I'm being pigeonholed like, the character has to do this or they have to have this type of profession or they have to be this way. And so what I noticed was, like, say, for instance, there's all different types of genres that people like. And say, for instance, for romance, well, when uh, a lot of the, uh, from my experience, um, for the line that I was writing in, there was a lot of what they called urban fiction at that time or street lit. So... I wasn't writing street lit, so sometimes it was just like, oh, what's this about? And, you know, you'd say this, and it's like, oh, you don't have any gangbangers in here? No, I don't. You don't have any drug deals in here? Oh, sorry, no. And it's like, mm, oh, okay. And they put my book down and keep moving. And so uh, there are a lot of, of, of expectations, I think. When you say a black romance, you just assume, or some people assume it's a certain way, and it could be any way because romance to me is universal. Um, and so I tend to write it as such. I tend to write it where, you know, my characters could be anywhere. They could be doing anything. I like to bring in different locales and, and different um, cultures into some of the things that I write. So I don't particularly think that just because it's a black romance, there should be any limitations put on that. There's not any limitations put on any other um, type of book written by different authors of different nationalities and ethnicities and such. So, I mean, that's just my take on it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Now, what do y'all think? Okay, this is my thing when it comes to writing books and African-American um, characters in the book. Why does there have to be a type of struggle love? Like, why do we have to, and, and the thing is, that it draws people in with the drama and the conflict. We know it draws people in. But mm-hmm. in our culture itself, it's like our love is known to be a struggle. You know what I'm saying? Um, London. Okay. What, what do you think about okay. that? The necessity, yeah, London, the necessity for our love to always be a struggle, no matter if it's in books, if it's in movies, if it's in real life, everything in our culture has to have a struggle with it. You know, I don't necessarily agree with that. Uh, Mm -hmm. I look at writing through a struggle from a different perspective. Mm -hmm. And I, I know sometimes people think, oh, that's what they can relate to, but everybody doesn't relate to it quite the same. And I happen to be one of them. Uh, when I write, I typically write um, my black character. My characters have 
uh, they show love through action. So whereas, you know, you may have a lot of uh, touchy-feely, kissy this, or, you know, Mm -hmm. it's really um, what you would say your uh, typical romance would be if, you know, the push and pull, the... I don't necessarily do that. Uh, I write more so through, you see it through acts of kindness. So, yeah, there may be an obstacle uh, or something within the family, but it's nothing, you know, the wife may be getting tired or she's feeling like she's doing everything. Or, you know, they may have conflict and struggle in normal life circumstances, not this, you know, where the daddy's being beat up, I mean, the mother's being beat up or something of that mm-hmm. nature, and they have to come together. Not that way. But show, mm-hmm. you know, the hey, I'm taking care of you, I love you by being there for you while you're going through a difficult time and different things like that. Uh, that's just my take on it, and that's typically how I write it. A lot of times, you know, um, I never forget, I met um, a young man, and I just released my first book, which is definitely not a romance by any stretch of the imagination, but he heard the title, and he's like, oh, my God, ooh, is it ratchet, and woo, 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 and I'm like, no. So (laughs) it's sometimes the expectations that we put on ourselves, you know, and my thing is, you know, and there's nothing wrong with Urban and Street Lit, I read it too. I read, Mm -hmm. I read everything. I'm very... I'm very versatile, you know, if I, if I read the back matter, I like it, I buy it. That's just what it is. And, mm-hmm. But don't just assume because I'm a black author that it's, mm-hmm. it's street lit, you know. So I think, you know, it's like you paint and put somebody in the box and don't think that, that okay, that's all you're known for or that's all we're right. known for as a people, and that's not necessarily the case. And definitely not knocking street lit authors because, again, I read, I read their stuff too. I enjoy it. But just to know that, okay, that's all you see, that's a problem, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I think we need to widen, you know, and maybe, and maybe that's all the uh, person I spoke with, maybe that's all he knew, you know. So maybe I told him, you know, told him, you know, hey, yeah, it's, it's, it's drama in the book, it's conflict, you know, but it's not in the way that you think that it is. And it doesn't right. make it any less. Uh, entertaining or or a good story. It's still a page turner, and you know, so it doesn't take anything away from it. You know, I think sometimes mm-hmm. when you can do some things in spite of, I think sometimes that makes it even better because now you can look at things from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. That's, yeah. that's interesting. Um, this this is Tony. You know, I'm I'm glad Lee asked that question because as I'm sitting here listening to you guys, your take on it, you know. And it's unfortunate that if they see a black author and they have black characters, it has to be a ratchet story, and that's so far from the case. But how mm-hmm. do you ladies feel that when you do, because Leisha and I, we're book bougie on this show, you know, a, a cover speaks to us. It speaks very loudly. And sometimes you don't necessarily have to have the color of your characters on a cover, you know, and you don't even necessarily mm-hmm. have to have your picture on the book. But if you were to put a, a good cover on, without depicting mm-hmm. what color the characters are, or even the author is, and you tell a good story, and you get halfway through the book, and you start describing this character, you have already felt fallen in love with the story, and then to find out that mm-hmm. it's characters of color, does that change mm-hmm. your opinion on black love? How, so, do you, how do you guys feel about that? So, for me, um, 
I know for me, one of the one of the things that I had to kind of come to grips with as a new author years ago was, mm-hmm. I, you know, there were certain expectations or assumptions, I should say, that I put that I had for myself because I had never published a book before. I mean, I have written, you know, some stuff online. Uh, one of my guilty pleasures was writing fan fiction for the characters from Remington Steel. And so that Ooh. was it for me before way. I got to. Way, did you say Remington Steel? She went way. I sure did. Yes, I did date myself. <laughs> love me some. Well, no, no, love no, me no, some no, Pierce Brosnan. No. Don't even get me no. started on that. But yes. Tell him. So yes, that was kind of how I got started uh, before I got published by a publishing house. So. Uh, like I said about the assumptions, I assumed a few different things, like that I would mm-hmm. have input on my book cover. Um, and it was a shell shock to me to find out that, no, I didn't have any real input on my book cover. It was just a, okay, here's your cover. What do you think? And it mm-hmm. was, you know, even when you provide, you know, some of the things they ask for is they want to know how tall your character is. They want to know what they look like, what skin tone they are what, you know, mannerisms mm-hmm. they have. So they ask for a lot of information up front from you, and then you provide that. And then it was a shock to me to find out that sometimes the, the art department that's doing the book didn't really consult or have time to look at what you provided. And so a lot of times they just came up with a cover, and it was like, okay, do you like it? And what are you going to say is like, you know, for one or two of the covers, I absolutely love them. But for one cover specifically, the the the, the lady didn't look anything like my character. Uh, the guy mm-hmm. didn't even have a shirt on. And so my thing is, okay, this guy is a retired colonel in the army. He's not going to be walking mm-hmm. around without a shirt. And so mm-hmm. I pushed back a little bit on that. But then it was like, okay, well, you know, Thanks for the input, but there's nothing really we can do about it because the cover's already done, and we can't change mm. it. So I had to kind of grow up a lot and be like, because my first reaction was, well, why are you asking me how I like it if I can't change it? And so mm-hmm. that was like a lesson learned with that. And then another time um, there was a, a reader, a white reader, that had read, uh, she was at one of the book signings I did, and she said, you know, how did, who chooses the covers? I just had a question about how do you decide what cover you put on your book? And I said, well, actually, it's more so the publishing house that determines the cover. And so it was interesting because she said, looking at the book cover, she would not have known that the book was for her. She but she turned the book over. She read the blurb. She loved what I said about the characters. I read an excerpt. So she bought the book because she really enjoyed hearing about the book. But right. the diff- it was like a, a difference. It was like a wake-up call for me because as a black reader, I mean, we've been reading books for like eons, and I grew mm-hmm. up on reading my sister's historical romances set in England in like the early centuries. And so mm-hmm. I never had a problem looking at a book cover because you just, for, and I think a lot for black authors and black readers, you just, whatever you, you see, you don't get stopped at the book cover. Sometimes you do, but right. sometimes you don't. 
but white mm-hmm. readers were telling me that, hey, sometimes I don't know that that book is for me because of the covers. There's different types exactly. of covers. So um, mm-hmm. I am big on sometimes uh, not having people on the cover uh, because right. I want you to fall in love with the story. I want you to fall in love mm-hmm. with my characters, it's not exactly. the fact that, you know, somebody is on the cover and it, you, you get – because people tell you, you have about 10, 20 seconds of looking at a book cover before a reader decides whether or not they're going to buy your book. So mm-hmm. I want to make sure that the book covers that I have bring a reader into the story and then mm-hmm. allow me from that point to hook the reader on the story. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's the yeah, point the I wanted here. to make, you know, bring them in first. <laughs> Same here, and that's what we were kind of taught, you know, um, you want your covers to be mainstream, Mm -hmm. mainstream, and then not put your picture necessarily on the back of the cover because you want them to, again, fall in love with the story. If you read the back matter and you enjoy it and you're reading the book, at the end of the the day, that should be the only thing that matters, you know, Mm -hmm. and typically that's um, once they really get into it, then it doesn't even matter. Like, oh, this was written by a, a black author. You, you know, well, right. it's written by an mm-hmm. author. <laughs> you know, right. it's written by an author, you know. And a lot of mm-hmm. times we, you know, we didn't have the choices uh, the same way, you know. And, again, if I read the back matter, and I'm not real big. I, I love a beautiful cover. But for me, and the cover pulls you in. It's the first thing you notice mm-hmm. in the title. But mm-hmm. if I flip mm-hmm. it over and I read that back matter, the front of that cover could look like crap, but if your back matter is banging, I'm one clicking. You know, I'm one clicking and buying your book because it's a story that I want to read. You know, it doesn't right. matter to me if you're green, yellow, or purple. You know what I mean? But oh, right. mm-hmm. I know that we're not always afforded the same, that the same. Uh, you know, so that that's the uh, only thing there. And like that's my true. first book, I have two African-American women on the cover. And I, I can't say that, and it's a, it's a gorgeous cover. I can't necessarily say that it's the cover that's selling them, but my title gets them every time. So mm-hmm. for that, I would never change it. I would never change mm-hmm. it. And then it's my first book, baby. You know what I mean? It, 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 mm-hmm. It's supposed to be what it is. You know, that's just how right. I feel about that. And, you know, it still sells and does very well, but um, that is my only book that actually has African-American women on the cover. I have some that are abstract. Mm-hmm. I got silhouette, but again, they're mm-hmm. mainstream, and I, and mm-hmm. that's okay because at the end of the day, I want everyone to be able to read my book and not just assume a certain thing because it's like, oh, she wrote it. You know what I mean? Right. right. Yeah. And yeah. that that's I so important because I started I started reading the James Patterson book like when he first started. I never knew what that man looked like for years. You know, because he didn't he didn't have his picture in the beginning on the back of his page, and his characters weren't necessarily portrayed on the cover, but I loved what was between the pages. You know, I fell mm-hmm. in love with his pen. I fell in love with his characters, and that has always kept me a James Patterson fan. So it doesn't necessarily have to be in-your-face black story on the cover. You know, like you mm-hmm. said, the covers and the back matter – they all play a part. Even the colors on the cover in your in your 
graphics. That all plays a part for me. I, I, I'm big on that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, the thing is, and it's all part of the eye candy. And the eye candy mm-hmm. is what, you know, everybody likes a little eye candy. You know, that's what draws us to the opposite sex, and that's what draws readers into the book. Right. True. And that's yeah. true. Definitely believe that it's true. Mm-hmm. And keeps them coming back as well. Absolutely. You know, that content is what really draws people in. Your eye candy is what kind of, it's like the bait. And right down to the, mm-hmm. like, the color. So I'm glad that Lemon um, and Lisa talked about how they their covers were a little different. Um, because that's part of the mm-hmm. bait of drawing people in, right down to even how your name sits on that cover. How does your name lay on that cover with the colors that you use on the cover? It draws those people in, and then your contents, the synopsis, that all of that is, is part of that, that, that draw. And then when they sit down mm-hmm. to read it, your content snatches them up, and it's like, oh, you know, and now they're creating word of mouth. Y'all, listen, I got this book. And this is why I got the book because it's covered. But they now they're talking about you. They're talking about your book and word of mouth. Mm-hmm. It's about yeah. legs of its own. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And we got our next fabulous guest. We're gonna just we're gonna just have a, a whole girls party up in here. We just gonna bring everybody up in here. <laughs> we gonna talk that talk. We got <laughs> we got the fabulous Denise Allen. Hey, Denise. Hey, it's Janice. How are you? Sorry, Janice. You know, I call you Denise, and I'm going to say, I'm sorry. Well, you know what? We're still friends. We're still friends. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. So, we are here talking that talk. We want you to tell everybody a little bit about yourself and your literary journey. Okay. Um, I I can call myself a, a new author because I've only been published for two years now. Well, actually, the first thing that I did was non-literary. Listen at me. The first thing I did was non-fiction. How about that? And it was um, a group of authors getting together, and we put together a book called Bearing It All, The Ins and Outs of Publishing. And it was um, a roadmap for um, new authors. We talked about writing, uh, not just writing skills, but, but, but um, um, issues with writing, writing blocks. You know, I, I, I wrote about how I had a couple of friends who were authors, and I mean, they could write like jackrabbits, but, you know, I, I would write, you know, I, I'd be lucky if I'd get 20 words, 20 good words on a page, you know, during a writing session. But I had to learn to honor my process that I just didn't process in my Creativity didn't flow the way theirs did, but it still had its own flow, and I had to find um, my flow and the way my creativity worked and, and, and work with that as opposed to trying to pattern myself after, after the way someone else um, produced and was able to produce. And so, like I wrote about that, there were other authors who wrote about their journey. We wrote about um, publishing, the difference between self-publishing or being published by a house and um, why you would want to do one or the other. Or um, We wrote about marketing. We wrote about covers, like what I just heard you talking about. So that was the first um, that I got into writing. And that was uh, really, I just had a chapter. Well, I had just two chapters in there. So that was just, you know, putting my little, my, my big toe into writing. 
but the first time I actually um, published um, a novel, it was in 2018, and it was called No Right Way to Do a Wrong Thing. And I got into that. I got into that um, because my friend, Nalena Kai, we worked at a law firm together. And um, I learned when I met her that she was an author. She was the first author I had actually met. So I was just, you know, and I love to read, have always loved to read. So that I was just really drawn to um, someone who actually could do this thing. And um, over the course of time, um, she, as she's writing, you know, she was writing more and more books and all, she taught me to edit because <laughs> as we talked, talked over things that she was putting together, she was saying, you know, you, you could really edit, but she took me under her wing and taught me to edit. But in the midst of editing for her, she would say, you know, she would make comments like, you know, the way you changed this or the way you reworded that, you can write. You just don't know it. And so she kind of put a challenge out there to me, you know, to, to write a novel. And, you know, we talked around how I would even start with what idea I would start with. And, and it, a few years later, I had that book, No Right Way to Do a Wrong Thing. That was my first um, novel. And um, after that, I followed it with a short story, and then I um, got with the collaborated with these wonderful women who are on the phone with you now, as well as with several other ladies to do the Kings of the Castle. And then from that, um, I had another novel to come out, as we all did, and mine was called The King of Lawndale. So that was my literary process. It wasn't that um, I grew up saying, I'm going to be a writer. You know, when I was little, I was like, I want to be a teacher, not because I love to teach, but because I just like writing on the chalkboard with chalk. So I didn't have a, a real <laughs> vision or anything, I guess you could say. But um, as far as writing, I have to say that this is one of those things, and I believe this for everybody, that um, God puts gifts in each of us. And uh, writing may be one of the ones that I have, but just because he put it in you does not mean that you know it's in you. And sometimes it takes someone else outside of yourself to see it and then to help you activate that. And that's my writing journey. That's the way mine was. I love it. I love it. Now, each of you have um, written books, and you have all have a journey. How have you grown as women? not just authors, but as black women throughout your journey. We're going to start with Janice. Okay. Um, I think I have grown because during, while writing, it helped me to um, work through some pain that I've had and, and, and um, in life. So, so being able to write some of those things and put it into a character and have them experience, but then have them to, for me to dictate that they came out of that thing victoriously, then that also helped me then in real life to um, come through some things differently because I found a different part of myself, I think, in writing, a, a different strength that I um, didn't know I had. So I think that that was what um, happened or helped me to grow. That, that was the growth I experienced during my writing process. Absolutely. And Lisa? 
Well, for me, uh, writing has always been something that is calming to me, something that allows me to get my thoughts out. And as an introvert, most of the time, if anybody's an introvert, they know that, you know, most of the time they're content just to actually sit in the background somewhere and just listen and observe other people. Exactly. being a writer is one thing. You know, that's where I get my strength from. That's where if I have problems or issues going on in my, my life, I find a way to incorporate that into my writing. And say, for instance, you know, when King of Hyde Park came out, that's book number eight in Kings of the Castle, that's the book I wrote, um, I was just off a divorce and having to move and having to have my whole life turned upside down. Mm-hmm. And so that was my my cathartic moment was writing, pouring all of that into my characters. Like Dro, he's a fixer for the kings of the castle. There's nothing Dro can't do. Dro is passionate about everything. And so Dro was the man that I was like, huh, if I had a choice, <laughs> That is good. And Jerome would be kind of like the man that I could think of that would always be there for you no matter what. He fixes everything. He is passionate about everything. He is just a man's man. And so they either say write what you know or what somebody else knows or what you would like to know. So Jerome is my man that if I had to pick one, you know, going forward, I would be like, okay, I'm all for Jerome. But... So that was a way just to basically, um, it, it allows writing just has always been something that as I go along, there's different things that I have to do with writing that I wouldn't normally do, like to get out there and talk to readers about what my books are about. I mean, most people know authors. They love their laptop. They want to be writing somewhere, not actually mm-hmm. trying to come up with taglines or in 20 seconds, what's your book about? That type of stuff. I actually got to practice stuff like that because that's not really my forte. But um, so it's allowed me to grow as a person. It's allowed me to grow as an author and just do things that are out of my comfort zone because only when you do things like that, when you challenge yourself, only then can you actually grow and have it be something that it just incorporates itself into who you are as a person. Mm-hmm. I like Absolutely. Yes. And mm-hmm. Uh For me, I would say it's a couple of things. Um, number one is actually saying that this is something I want to do and then following through and doing it. Um, I tend to, I tend to, I'm not necessarily procrastinate. But sometimes, you know, life gets in the way of other things, and this is something that I have made a priority, and it's something that I thoroughly enjoy, but really making it a priority, and I'm writing, and it's not writing out of obligation. It's something that just feels good, and it's it's therapeutic in that way of feeling good because I can do it when I'm ready, anytime I want. Uh, but the main thing is making it that priority to sit down and just be one with myself and and get my writing done. The uh, second part of that is, for me, 
is I feel like I'm leaving a legacy to my girl because everybody has struggles from the 12-year-old to the 20-year-old. And I, what I want them to learn is that no matter what's going on, no matter how hard it is or how uh, something seems that it's impossible to do or to accomplish, just because you have a snag does not mean that you cannot accomplish your goal. So a lot of times I use my writing journey as an example because they are here. They have witnessed and have forgiven, including my husband. You know, if you look at my um, my acknowledgments in King of Chatham, you know, it's like, hey, you know, thank you for excusing my introvertedness and the messy house and the non-cooked meals because I was completely zoned out of family life and zoned into my book. You know, it's a balance and it's it's a tricky it's a tricky thing. But as I struggle with um, trying to do that and then getting it done, the goal is I got it done. So what I try to teach them is, hey, you can do anything that you put your mind to. And they, they're here when I have the event sessions or if I'm on with my editor or, you know, they are privy to that. So and they ask questions, and especially the youngest, you know, so just trying to really set it at an early age that anything is possible if you really, really want it. No one can take anything away from you that you work hard for, you know, and to just mm-hmm. go for it. And the other part is staying true to my voice. Um, I've learned, you know, everything isn't for everybody, you know, and what you write. And I write, I write a lot of real-life situations. Um, and it's not always the prettiest, but there's always people who can relate to that struggle. And I've gotten so much feedback from that. So my thing is I have to tell it, I have to tell it my way and be okay with that. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm, and I'm okay with that. And when the reader say, you know what, you said X, Y, and Z, and I felt that, or my husband went through this and blah, blah, blah. Then it lets me know, okay, then I did what I was supposed to do, you know, mm-hmm. and just, and just being true to my voice, and I've also learned that, and I think I mentioned it earlier, that, you know, I write, because a lot of people say, do you write yourself, do you write yourself? Not in the way that you may think, but you may see an interaction between, like in one of my books, between the, the mother and the son, and how to interact, you know, the, the banter over a basketball game. Well, that's me and my oldest daughter, you know, or the husband and the wife rushing home, you know, speeding home you know, to see who make it first. That's me and my husband, you know, so it comes out in other little ways, but I also mm-hmm. realize that I write about love through action, through everyday action. Cause that's, that's what I live. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's those everyday acts of kindness that make your life a little bit easier that you don't even realize is happening because it's such a normal thing. And so I realize that that's kind of my niche. And when I go back and look, I'm like, Oh Yeah. So I guess I am writing what I know, <laughs> you know. So, and that thing about getting out of your comfort zone, absolutely, Lisa. Because this, like us doing what we're doing now, you know, before we start, it's like a little apprehension and a little anxiety. Yeah. And yeah. then when you get started, it's like, like, like you've been doing it the whole time. Like, you know, there's not a problem. You know, I was like, why are you even anxious in the first place, you know. So mm-hmm. doing things outside of you know, outside of your bubble, you know, and it helps yeah. you grow as a, as a writer, as a person, and then you get more comfortable doing those things 
So when the next big thing come along, you'll be okay with that too. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Well, y'all know him, man. Well, y'all don't know because this is all of your first time on the show. We like to do something a little fun in the chat room. And I know that y'all well, might have watched the live, but it's even a little different than the live, too. Looking 
for her date. He was over by the bar entertaining another lady, and she wasn't sure who she was. Hmm. Lisa? She strutted over her. Yeah, okay, there we go. Go. Okay. Go, Lisa. Sweet baby Jesus. Okay. She walked into the room. She walked she, she walked into the room. It was dark, but she could still see him in the distance. He stood there watching her as if if he moved, she would run from the room. As she sauntered across the the, the room, she sat down at the couch and she put her leg across and dangled her red heel. He said, how was your evening? She said, it was fine. Thanks for asking. And he poured her a drink, stirring it with a ice pick. <laughs> As he dropped ice cubes in it, he walked around and joined her on the couch. She said thank you as he gave her the pro-offered drink. She took a sip. The liquid chilled, running down her throat. It was wine, blood red. She loved the taste of it. She got up and she said, you didn't do what I asked, did you? And he said, no, I missed the opportunity. She walked back around and filled her glass up again. Kitty, she said. And then she slid the ice pick ever so gently through her red fingernails. And as she held it to her side, she walked back over and she sat down. And she said, I thought I was clear. She said, you were, but again, I missed the opportunity. I promise I won't fail you again. She said, I know you won't. She leaned over, and she kissed the pulse right at the middle of his neck. It felt warm to her touch. She leaned back and saw his clenched jaw as he was barely trying to contain himself from grabbing her. And then she kissed him and whispered in his ear, that's the last mistake you'll ever make. And then she Mm -hmm. took the ice pick and she stabbed it right in his jugular. The end. Oh. (laughs) All right. We got to get that. We we need one more mister. Come on with the uh, Sierra. (laughs) All right. Oh, my God. The next day, sitting in her room, relaxing on her easy chair with her legs up, she looked at those same red thigh-high boots and noticed how well his blood blended in to the blood red of her boots. She also picked up and admired a tiara that he had given her for their anniversary the day after he had cheated and 
did not know that she knew about it. She looked at the tiara, placed it on her head, stood from the chair and modeled in front of the mirror. Then she took her telephone, her cell phone, took a selfie, lips pooched out in a smooch. Pleased with herself, she looked at it and saw just the tiniest drop of blood on that princess mm. tiara, easing off her red thigh-high boots. She tipped over to her closet, found an empty box, tossed the red thigh-high boots and the bloody princess tiara in the box, threw it in the shed, and said, Sayonara, I loved you, but I don't. The end. Ladies, y'all did the daggone thing. Oh, I was like, what book is this? I'm on Amazon trying to find it. and we're just going to make up a story and our stories had to build on what the previous one had just said. I'm like, mm-hmm. did I just tell you I'm a slow writer? Now we got to be, gotta be all <laughs> over the <laughs> radio. That was fabulous. That was fabulous. And that's all we do we do here on Let's Chat. Just, that, yes, just like that, fun. y'all came up with such a great story. <laughs> that was fun, though. Thanks for the challenge. Yes. Y'all did great. www.LondonStCharles.com. You can find me on Facebook at Author London St. Charles, Instagram at London underscore rights, Twitter at LS Charles 2017, and my Amazon author page is London St. Charles. Uh, you can find all of my books on Amazon, they're all listed on my website. I do have a new release coming out in early November called Embracing mm-hmm. the Unexpected. And just a little bit about that. It's about uh, Jamie. He is surprising his wife, Harper, for their 25th wedding anniversary to take her to this beautiful cabin in the woods. She has no idea. He just told her, make sure you schedule the time off. And Harper had a surprise of her own and told him, Jamie, I think you're a wonderful guy. I just don't want to be married to you anymore. Served him divorce papers on their 25th anniversary. Oh, boy. So 
Yeah, juicy, juicy. <laughs> so, yes, <laughs> that's coming out in November, and he's dealing with no one's uh, cheating or anything like that. They've been together all this time, and she feels that now that her kids are grown and she wants to experience life without, they've been together since teenagers, without him. And she may find out that the grass is not always greener on the other side, but, you know, you have to read it to find out. Coming November to a Kindle near you. Oh, <laughs> oh <laughs> You better stop, girl. No, don't stop. Keep doing it. <laughs> Change the last name yet, so still at lisawatson.com. You can find mm-hmm. me on uh, Facebook. I have an author page, it's author Lisa Dotson. On Twitter, is Lisa Y. Dotson, as well as Pinterest and Instagram. Um, so you can find me there. As far as what I'm working on right now, I'm actually working on another uh, romantic suspense series as we speak. Um, so that's not going to be out probably until the end of the year, the first book. Right now I'm doing a summer, I'm participating in a Summer of Black Love virtual book fair. It started August 2nd and goes to August 14th. There are a lot of different black authors on there writing in all different types of genres, and so I want to uh, throw that shout out there. How you can find the website is Bray, B-R-A, marketing, dot L pages, L as in Lisa, pages, dot co, C-O, slash B-R-A, dash black, dash summer, dash love. I know that was long, mm. but so that is the uh, Lady <laughs> Taylor Love, who was nice enough mm-hmm. to pull this together for a lot of different authors because she wanted to showcase black love and black authors. So check that out. Um, that will also be on Facebook. I'll be posting that on Facebook on my page uh, so people can get the link there. And so other than that, that's it for Lisa. Mm. All right, awesome. all right. And Janice with the Sierra girl, yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, I I am on Facebook at author Janice M M like Marie, author Janice M Allen, and um, my books are all on Amazon. And um, I've already written some in under the umbrella of Christian fiction, like No Right Way to Do a Wrong Thing can fall under that umbrella. But um, this year I am working on a Christian self-help, um, so a nonfiction in Christian, and I am looking to release that toward the end of the year. And that's my plan. Awesome. But thank you so much, ladies. We have had a ball tonight, ladies, haven't we? With all yes. these yes. ladies and their yes. journey. Thank yeah. you so much. Yes, thank you for, thank having, you for having us. Absolutely. This has been an experience. And we appreciate you guys for making that experience great. 
You guys are always welcome back in the chat room. Anytime, just let us know and we will make it happen for you. Well, yes. thank you Please so come back. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You're very welcome. Have a good night, okay? Thank, thank you. Bye, Janice. Bye, bye, Lisa. <laughs> bye. <laughs> that was fun, see. That was it was. It was a fabulous night. Can you believe the story they weave, girl? It was on the, edge, on the edge of your seat. <laughs> Sweet baby Jesus and everything, and they over there making it happen. Just making it happen. Just making it flow, girl. Doing what they do because they know what they do. <laughs> That's right. We appreciate you guys coming to kick it with us in the chat room. And we will see you guys tomorrow. Good night, everybody. Won't you come out of hiding? Cause I've been trying to find you. Been looking high and low, wanting you more and more to come in dirty wine. Yeah, I love the way you move, like how you're doing what you're doing. You got me hypnotized, got me all in my mind. I'm trying not to lose it. Your body, 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 drop it down low, then you pick it up. I want it, want it, want it. I want you so bad, I can't get enough. Your body, 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 ooh, got me in my feelings. Girl, you're a star, that's what you are. You know, you know, you're doing something to me. Got my emotions on a roller coaster ride. Yeah, this thing's going on between us. Something I can't fight. Not tonight. Not tonight. I'm in love. I'm in love. I'm in love out here on the dance floor. I'm in love on the dance floor. I'm in love. I'm in love. I'm in love out here on the dance floor. Come out of hiding. Cause I've been trying to find you Cause I've been trying to find you Been looking high and low Wanting you more and more To come and dirty wine To come and dirty wine yeah. I love the way you move I, I love the way you move Like how you doing what you do Like how you doing what you do You, yeah, you yeah. got me hypnotized Got me all in my mind I'm trying not to lose it Your body, body, body Tell me about the big, I don't even care no. I want it, want it I want you to myself, I don't want to share I don't want to share Your body, body, body Ooh, got me in my feelings Girl, you're a star Ooh, that's what you are You know, you know you're doing something to me Got my emotions on a roller coaster ride This thing's going on I'm in love.
Cause I've been trying to find you Been looking high and low Don't know you all alone It's coming dirty wine I love the way you move Like how you're doing what you're doing You got me hypnotized Got me all on my mind I'm trying not to lose it I'm trying not to lose it Cause I've been trying to find you 